All right, today I think I want to talk about uh, this notion of the destruction of all things that we value. Okay? Now, what, what do I mean by that? Uh, th- there's, look, we live in a culture now, and I'm trying to coalesce this idea as we speak. We live in a culture where everything is so critical. Everything, every word that you say uh, is, is, it invokes racism. Every uh, word that you say invokes misogyny. Right, I mean the the pussy hat comment, uh, the the pussy hat march, uh, which was provoked by the statement by Trump in 2011, uh, in a, some sort of bus van with uh, Billy Bush. You have Bush, Billy Bush. What? Oh, I was just reading into the words. Oh yes, I, I see. Heard Bush. Yes, yes, that's right. Oh my gosh, that's the. That's, I was doing what you were saying. Yeah, my my ears have been raped. You know. But anyway, the point is that they, they, it gets so, I mean, and then, of course, the bathroom situation. We talk about that quite a bit. Um, and everything is the nth level, right? I mean, Dennis Prager talked about this recently, about how, you know, look, as disgusting and as obnoxious as it is as uh, when a man might pat a woman's butt, right? Um, certainly when it's unwanted. Uh, that's disgusting. That's unwanted. That's wrong, okay? It's not rape, Okay. It's clearly not rape. And putting it on the level of rape does two, two very bad things. First of all, it dilutes the word rape, right? It, it minimizes uh, the, the reality and the horror of what happens when a woman actually goes through an actual rape. Uh, secondly, it, it doesn't allow us to pursue a meaningful discussion, okay? It, it doesn't allow us to really focus on things that are, are truly important, okay? So... If, if, you, if your response to the fact that a man is touching a woman's butt is that we're going to make all these laws where a man has to get permission and do you know, some sort of a, a double approval for every time that a man would like to touch a woman or vice versa, but nevertheless, it's usually more of a man wanting to touch a woman, then we get to a, a point where we've destroyed something we call romance and the thrill of you know, not knowing what's going to happen and the, the joy of, of you know, the, the, the pull and push of, of romance, right? So that's one thing that goes away. Um, and, and likewise, with so many other things that we're talking about, but, but definitely in the sexual arena, this is something that is wiping out a whole notion of our sense of sexuality, and, but the good, the good positive sense of sexuality. We want men to approach women and to take a risk, and if, if she doesn't like him, she says, listen, no thank you. He might make a pass at her, usually by form of, a, of an attempted kiss. But, and she may very well say, listen, and she'll turn the cheek and say, listen, I, I, I just don't feel the same way. Um, I'm sure some nice girl you know, would love to be with you, but I, I'm, it's not right with me. That's, that should be normal. She shouldn't be able to say at that point, I have been molested. I have been wrongly you know, approached and wrongly uh, and raped for that matter. It's an, odd, it's an odd world that we're living on just for that reason alone. So we're diminishing all these, uh, <clears throat> all these values that we actually hold dear without realizing it. The same is true when you think about the justice system, right? When you have, I mean, Ari, when... when when you go to court these days and, and people do these really awful things and then they get off the, you know, from, from a sentencing. 
Oh, like Kate Steinle's uh, shooter? Yes, a very then. good example. Yeah. Very good example. Um, or the Facebook um, video, a lot of video where the, the teens were torturing a retarded man. Even? Sorry, special needs. And then the judge goes, you know... It would do. It would be in your best interest, Miss Defendant, who did something atrocious, to spend any more time in jail. Right. And free unleashes her on the rest of us to do something even worse next time. Right. She, it only teaches her that uh, what she did was not so bad after all. Right. That's right. You know, pro, not preferred, but uh, you know, it's it's like speeding, right? You know, when you when you speed uh, above sixty five and you go, let's say eighty for whatever reason, and you get pulled over by a cop. And it gives you a warning, or even if it gives you a ticket for that matter. You do traffic school. You don't feel like you're a bad human, right? You just got, you know, ticketed. No big deal. Um, now, if you go 150 miles an hour, that's, that's excessive. But 80, well, you know, no big deal. That's what they're teaching these people by letting them off like that. Look, I remember this. Then this was a big problem. In 1985, I re- realized this was an issue. When this was during the height of the anti-apartheid movement at Stanford. And it so happened that I was a prospective juror for some nine Stanford students who had trespassed on the bursar's office to protest apartheid in South Africa. Now, what the Stanford bursar's office did to advance apartheid in Africa, I don't know. <laughs> okay, That's a mystery to me. Maybe the right? bursar working at the bursar's office on that shift had a diamond ring from De Beers. No, no, no. And yeah. that, that would be too close a connection. No, no. <laughs> Uh, the, the bottom line is they fancy themselves to be like Rosa Parks, you know, right. fighting uh, an, some sort of un, unjust law. The difference, of course, is that Rosa Parks was uh, violating the very law that she was protesting. That's right. Right? Here, they're just trespassing on private property um, just to draw attention to an issue. Okay? Look, if you, don't, if you can't do the time, then don't do the crime, as they say. Right? You, you want... And, and suddenly they're defending themselves. Like, you cannot justify this. Anyway, uh, I got so frustrated by the prospective juror process. There were 450 people. It took me two days um, before they even considered calling my name. And they never did call my name. And after a while, during a break, I simply said, listen, judge, I'm a Stanford student. They're Stanford students. I'm not about to give them a guilty verdict. I wanted out of this situation. I was so bored. Uh, and I, I felt it was so wrong as well. And all of these, and, and of course, I was excused for cause as a result of that. And uh, so, but I did follow up on this, on their trial. They went forward with a trial, and the jury um, determined that they were not guilty, that, they, that it was okay, that there, was, there were some causes that were worth uh, violating the law for. And I thought, no, <laughs> this is wrong. You, you, you knew what you were doing was wrong, and now you wanted to get off on it Claiming that it wasn't wrong. Kind of like when Black Lives Matter lights a city on fire or beats up a white motorist because some cop in another city beat up a black guy, according right. to them. That, right. That, yeah. yeah that, that doesn't... Right. Giving people room to destroy, as the Baltimore right. mayor famously said. And, you know, these are... This invokes the destruction of things that we hold near and dear. I just gave the example of justice, right? Where it all... If, if everything is... Uh, you know, excusable because the cause that you pursue is just or the mission that you want to advance or draw attention to is just, well, then th- then what society do we have? We have no law and order at the end of the day. Right. You have to make these distinctions is what I'm saying. Yeah, and the, the bigger pattern that I'm seeing from both examples you give is on the one hand, 
things that are absolute nothing burgers right. are punished with the most draconian London Tower, you know, right. uh, Dark Ages torture chamber retributions. Meanwhile, murder, you give it three years uh, minus time served. Right. Or, tor- and, and, or torture is an example the yeah. Chicago teens that right. you talk but, about. But the, and then in the case of the Steinle shooter, how is it for a gun violation in California – a guy only gets three years. I thought they tightened all the gun rules. Oh, yes. Right? Good point. You yeah. and I do a gun violation. It's 10 years, mandatory minimum, you know, with Bubba, the uh, our new boyfriend, in, in right. a dark, dinky and, cell. And they need to set an example of us. Yes. Right. So what you end up having is a, a blowing up of what we call justice, law and order, and all the good things that we believe in. And we just – so we talked about the sexual arena. We talked about the justice arena. And now to talk about the um, racial arena. So now if you, if you uh, for example, Donald Trump, as of the recording of this uh, podcast, had made a comment. No, allegedly. Allegedly, According okay. to Dick Durbin, unverified other than Dick Durbin, it, 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 he was said by Dick Durbin to have said this, and the media has run wild and made this potential lie go around the world 30 times in 24 right. hours. But let's assume that it's true, and, and here's let's, what he let's said. Assume it's okay, true. so we don't, the, the, our yeah. listeners don't yet necessarily know what we're talking about. He made a comment to the effect of, vis-a-vis immigration, why do we open our doors to all these, you know, s-hole countries? And s is the word for uh, something that comes out of your body and right, similar two to fashion. manure. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah. in fact, it, it is manure. Uh, anyway, the point is that he had uh, allegedly said this. Now, let's assume, for the sake of discussion, that he did say this. Okay, and ah. which wouldn't surprise me, frankly. Um, it would be something that uh, the question is: Is it true or not true? Right now, it may be gruff. Maybe his choice of, of words is not the most elegant, but is it really wrong to say, you know, to, to pose that question? And it's exactly the question we're kind of discussing today. Do we want to have an immigration policy where we ignore the nature of the countries and the kind of people that come to us? Do we, don't we want the best and the brightest of so many different countries? Don't we want to re- have a merit-based immigration system? Or at the very least, people who come in here and uh, show that they want to be protective, productive members of society, they get in line, as it were, for the green card and then ultimately for citizenship itself, make sure they don't commit any crimes and all those things, right? But and have a certain level of emotional and intellectual buy-in into the notion of what it means to be an American, right. have a desire to live free for themselves and not take freedom from others, you know, right. little, little things like that, perhaps. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this is the erasing of this this notion of Americanism, that, that that we are actually a culture that is really wonderful. That's right. right? And, and also, if these countries aren't the excrement um, uh, orifices that <laughs> Donald Trump is talking about, then why are there people so hot and bothered to leave? Yeah, exactly. They'll leave their own countries. Yes, exactly. And right. come to a different country that is potentially not a excrement orifice. Right. Now, and look, and and let's face it: if you and I, let's say, somehow found ourselves in Haiti, or Somalia, or you name any number of countries out there that that uh, Uganda, of course, and we found ourselves there for whatever reason, and we went to the main city of that particular country, we would say, "What an asshole." <laughs> 
this is a total disaster. And we would, our hearts would go out to these people, especially the young, the young kids who, you know, through no fault of their own, are born into this crappy place. Yeah, sitting in the gutter, begging for change. But uh, what else would you yeah. say to yourself? This is equally positive to what I, I want, to Los Angeles, New York, and Chicago? Well, you see, Barack, all <laughs> cultures are equally the same. Right. All cultures are equally viable. The law and order of, of your country is just because of your own white privilege and biases. Right. <laughs> I mean, oh my God. Talk What's... about blowing up the college professor's philosophy in a second. Right. Well, that, that's, that's the next thing, which is multiculturalism, right? So multiculturalism says exactly that, that there is no such thing as a great culture. There are, all cultures are indeed the same. So what Trump is really guilty of is violating the notion of multiculturalism. You have said your great crime, sir, is not necessarily swearing. Your crime is, is de- deciding that not all cultures are the same. Yeah. We don't like that, Okay. That's just as horrific if he were to say that, uh, that there might be a difference between male and female, right? That there might be a difference between some athletes and other athletes. Or right? children and adults regarding right. sexual relations. Right. Is it, I, yeah. I, I, that is his crime. <laughs> exactly. And that's where they don't, they, they cannot abide, okay? The swearing, that was just a, a nice delivery system for him. But what if he had said, what if he had said, look, do we really want... Uh, to open up the immigration. Why are we focusing so much on immigration from these very poor countries um, that don't that are not necessarily people that are good people and that they are criminals in many cases? Why can't we have more people from countries like Norway, which is an example he did use, uh, where they are trying to provide more of uh, inventions, more merit? They want to contribute to to America and the buy-in, as you said, to America. Had he said exactly that, they would still attack him for the exact same reason. Of it's, course, right? The fact that he said "asshole" just, you know, raised it up up a notch. That's well, it. But the, but his his statement is actually not incorrect. The beautiful thing about and we talked about or I talked with you about this before we uh, did the show today is that the beautiful thing of. If he did say that word, or even if he didn't, is the fact that the media are attacking that chimera or phantom yeah. rather than focusing on the substance of the argument shows to the Trump supporters and anyone with a brain in this country how right he is. Yeah. Because I've been waiting for decades to have a leader who, like Reagan, called it like it is, said it like it is, spoke for the everyman and told the damn truth, even if it's ugly. Right. And also, isn't it amazingly perfect, like God, grace, and uh, design, that the word cult is at the center of the word multiculturalism? Because <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Yeah. You violate a cult, what happens? You're excommunicated, you're ostracized, you're told what a horrible person you are, and you lose all standing, all relations, everything else. Yeah, yeah no, look. And that's um, what he did. Yeah. He violated the cult <clears throat> of multiculti. The, the problem is that when you elevate the uh, when we try to equalize everything in any particular area we talked about the gender aspect we talked about the racial racial aspect uh, now we're talking about the multicultural aspect uh, we were talking about the the rape versus harassment versus um, you know you look nice today aspect right when you blend them all together you you end up destroying something that you highly value at the end of the day if you if you you place great importance on Everything, everything goes to 11 
as it were, from the this is Spinal Tap movie Spinal reference, Tap, right? Yes. <laughs> if, if everything goes to eleven, uh, then then you end up doing nothing, right? You end up losing everything in the process. So because you have everyone tiptoeing around constantly. Right, well, let's let's continue the music analogy with that, which is perfect. If everything goes to eleven. You don't have music, you have noise. Yeah, that's right? right. And if it's not music, you've lost all the art, all the message, everything. Right. And, and it's so funny, mm-hmm. coming sort of full circle, this is remember the story you told about Stanford. It happened in 1985, right? Remember, that's the year you two released the album, The Unforgettable Fire. And something that made me wretch was this phrase it's the message, not the music. <laughs> and that's exactly what those right. idiots at Stanford. Well, it's the message. Right. I know what we're doing is completely useless, violating the the rights of someone else who's now a crime victim of ours by saying we're supporting victims elsewhere. Right. So let us go. Is it the message more important than what we did? Actually, it's not. Right. We, and with what, you too, the music is more important than the damn message. For sure. For sure. What, what's to stop somebody from, let's say, beating you up? Right. Uh, let's say a black person beats you up, just senselessly, and then sa- and then he's telling you as he's doing it, I'm doing this as uh, to reflect my anger at white culture or, for that matter, white imperialism throughout the centuries. And he does it in a very intellectual way as he's just beating the crap out of you, right? And then you're because in the hospital. he has a college education, right? Right. Yeah. So then, then then you're in the hospital. Of course, you recuperate. It takes you months to do so. Uh, you're semi paralyzed. And, uh, and now the trial is up. And, and, and the man says, you know, uh, I, I would not like to have done it exactly the way, but nevertheless, this was an important message I was making. And I videoed it, and I showed it to the world, and I need uh, the white man to understand uh, his role and guilt in society. And you could just see the jurors just kind of nodding their heads. I mean, in your mind's eye. This, is, this didn't actually happen, of course. But why not? But it does happen every day. We I, wait, wait, wait. a lot but, of stories. But, but why not? Days. Why not yes. have that argument? Uh, and and that's the terror of it is that even that it might be entertained, whether or not they actually render a guilt a, a not guilty verdict uh, for this this monster, this hypothetical monster I'm talking about. The, the fact is that it's even in play, is is disturbing, right? So you're sending the message to everyone. The you know uh, give them room to um, to destroy a message that it's okay to destroy, and uh, and that they might have this out instead of understanding no that crap ain't right, ever okay, so uh, it, it like like rape is never right, um, like I don't know, slavery is never right murder. right murder is never right and theft, theft is never yeah. right right you, you you couldn't say I mean for example in theft we we understand this very well, if somebody goes to a Seven Eleven. And he's dirt poor, and he just needs the bread for his family. And he steals two loaves of bread. And then he says, you know, I just had to feed my family. We'd say, I'm sorry, sir, but that's not the way we do it. Two years in jail. Okay? You don't get to say, well, because he had to feed his family, uh, he, doesn't, he hasn't committed a crime. Or that he's not guilty. Right? That's obvious. But yet somehow, when it comes to these other things, you, you do have these, as long as the the purpose is noble somehow, well, then you can do almost anything you want. Yeah, isn't it interesting? Liberalism in America today, modern liberalism, decries two eras as the worst, the Jim Crow South and the slavery era. I don't remember that. And um, as far as the Jim Crow South, one of the worst things that happened in it was jury nullification, where they let 
a certain person off because of the color of their skin, no matter what they did. And now you're having essentially, and your examples are so scary because they're actually true. This is what's happening. You're having jury nullification for philosophical reasons. Yeah. They're not me. Well, his mind was in the right place. Her her heart was in the right place. She won't learn anything from her punishment. Oh, uh, riddle me this, counselor. Isn't the punishment that a defendant gets when found guilty imposed upon them in order to protect the society around them and not just to be penal to improve them as a person? Right. We don't send... Oscar, whatever his name is, who MS-13 gang member who murdered fellow MS-13 member to jail so he can learn from his error, we send him there so he can't do it right. well, again that's, to that's, others. That's one of four or five reasons that we do send uh, people to jail. That's, that's true. I mean, for ex- it's, violence is, uh, is all good and well as a reason to deter, to send somebody to jail, is to deter him from doing it to anybody else, keep him away from society. But that doesn't explain, of course, the white-collar crime. When people, I don't know, are found guilty of bribery or extortion. No, but that, they're and, and, guilty well, to deter others from doing Okay, it. so listen, uh, the, but the, your point is still well taken, which is when you have, I mean, there's too many examples. The, the famous one of a woman judge, I recall, who said uh, that she's not about to send yet another black man to prison, right? So she made a decision based upon the color of this man's skin. Yes. Uh, and then somehow was, as, and then of course he went on to commit horrific other crimes. Uh, surprise, surprise. That's a breakdown of justice as well. And then you have, uh, remember the Reginald Denny case in the 1992 uh, riots where these people just grabbed this man, a truck driver, out of his uh, van, his driving van, a truck actually, and they just beat him senselessly and I think threw bricks on his head and he was permanently damaged. I think he had some brain damage as well. And um, the theory was that somehow, yes, he should be punished, but his punishment was greatly reduced as, uh, be- be- because he was caught up in the moment, right? That somehow the rage was, it was understandable under the circumstances. Okay, so, you know, this kind of nuancing of justice is terrifying. It's, it's a very, very scary proposition. You're sending out the wrong message to just about everyone that, you, that, that when they go out and about their daily lives and they may think about doing something horrific, whether that's theft or murder or even rape, that they, they can somehow uh, make an argument that it was justified, that there's an out for some sort of greater cause. That's not a message you want to send to people, to the, to the civilization at large. Talk about deterrence, right? You want to tell them it doesn't matter. Anyway, so that's the blowing up of, the, of these very important values that, that we hold. We talked about um, fighting racism. We talked about multiculturalism. We talked about rape. And, and now we talked about justice. But it, it's, it's true also in the uh, employer-employee relationship, right? We've given so much uh, credence and power to the employee that we forgot, that we forgot the value of work itself, that, that we're especially in California and many other liberal states, and for that matter, in Europe. People don't want to get, don't want to give jobs because when you're hiring somebody, especially in Europe, you're basically giving them a permanent position. It's like a marriage. Yeah, it is a marriage, right. If if, if, if marriages don't just end, you know what, let's just call this off. You take yours, I'll take mine, see ya. Or something more permanent than that. 
Rent control. Rent control. <laughs> it's like, you know, once a landlord lets a tenant in, boom, you are done. He, he is your tenant forever until he decides he doesn't want to be your tenant forever anymore. So, uh, you know, it, it sends, it's just, it's just so stupid. Everything about it is stupid. It changes the values of what we hold dear. Uh, and capitalism itself is premised upon uh, the employer-employee relationship, the notion of making a profit, the, 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 the notion of improving the lives of everyone by appealing to man's sense of uh, you know, need for money, need for growth, and all those wonderful things. But we're blowing all that up because yeah. everything that you say in an employee context with an employer goes to, the, again, the 11th level. And so employers are now afraid of hiring women. They're afraid of hiring uh, minorities. They're afraid of hiring older people. They're afraid of hiring gays because, gosh golly, there's just so much power that they have that if they even think about firing them, well, then they'll have the the race card, the woman card, uh, the gay card, or the ageism card, right? I mean, that that, it just blows up work altogether. And then they... They demonize the notion of work itself. Like, instead of, you know, here, when people want to do work uh, beyond eight hours a day, for example, I have a file clerk who loves working, and he loves to make money. And I have to tell him, you are not allowed to work more than eight hours a day. Why? Because I don't want to pay him time and a half. Um, and the incentives are all skewed anyway, right? They'll find a way to stay there, you know, in, and I put stay in, in air quotes, uh, for more than eight hours a day, because that way they know that they, on the ninth hour they they get this nice you know ramp up in their their compensation, so they treat the the first eight hours you know with with less attention, and then they can't wait to get to the ninth and tenth hour because that's where it really counts, right? And for doing the same work or even less work for that matter, so it, it creates a disincentive to work hard. It 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 creates a disincentive for you know, people like my, my very, you know, uh, ambitious file clerk, and I like him a lot, who just wants to get out there. And I have to tell him, no, you can't work more than eight hours a day. P.S., make sure to take at least half an hour for lunch. P.S., I want you to take as many breaks as you like, right? Because I don't want to be sued later on for overtime and such, right? And I, I have to make sure everything is documented. I'm spending so much time just documenting everything, making sure that's documented, and then and if they don't take their half-hour uh, break, I have to, you know, look over and say, listen, now fill out a piece of paper saying that you, you've agreed that, uh, that notwithstanding my encouragement for you to take a, a lunch thing, that you've decided not to take a lunch today. I, that's what I, what, what, not just me, you know, and I have it relatively easy. I have a Everyone. smaller firm. Yeah, imagine but, if you had 30 people in. Yeah, how do you, do, so, so you have to have a manager sure. who manages all those yeah, people. Yeah, then you have just, to manage him. And, uh, it, it's it's yeah. just terrible. And, so and no it one, demonizes the notion of work and kind of rolling up your sleeve and let's get this job done, right? Instead, you know, you're talking about, um, you know, again, from the life of Brian, where, um, you know, the Reg character is saying at some point, you know, we have to talk about all the wrongs that the Romans have done to us and, um and, and, and it's happened forever for many generations and for our fathers before us. And then the other guy, the transvestite one, who says, and the fathers before them. Right. And the fathers before the fathers and the fathers before them. I mean, it just, you get caught up in these nuances and you never get anything done. Yeah, and, you know, no and, and, they, and they always are, in, in the same movie, they're always resolved to have one resolution after the other. But they're always caught up in process. 
that's, that's where we're at because we're constantly, now we're, we hear about doctors who are practicing defensive medicine. We hear about lawyers who are practicing defensive law. And now we're having just employers, generally speaking, uh, you know, doing work defensively, right? All day long, all they think about is how can they get sued, how they can, how they can prevent getting sued. Very little work actually starts getting done at the end of the day. I mean, just look at it. Look at it from a standpoint of, of what we've accomplished in the past 60 years versus the 60 years before that. Yeah, okay? Mark Stein says, from the day the automobile was invented or rolled out. No, in, eight, 18, 1880, line. he actually 18, used that as it is. Okay, so let's just say from 1880, automobile was invented. 1969, we walk on the moon. Right. 1969 <clears throat> to today, we have Twitter which censors us. Right. Right, we uh, all this wonderful stuff, crap. Right, where are the flying cars? Where's high, you know, hyperspace transportation? Where's colonization of other planets? Where is peace on Earth? You right. know, what I mean, we, we we thought, you know, and, and he writes this in his book, um, America Alone. I, think. I don't think it was America Alone. Actually, it was another book that he wrote, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. The point is, he was saying like any any time traveler who, or, or Martian for that matter, wanted to see the progress of, of humanity, would be so impressed to see the world as it changed between 1890 and uh, 1970, just that, that time period, for example. Yeah, but and, then I'm born and it goes <laughs> no, All things go to <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's true. That is interesting. A good point. A good correlation right <laughs> yes. there. And I think it's a causation. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway. But, but he would say, wow, this is so amazing. Surely. Uh, and now, would you like to see how things have led up to the year? You know, now we're at 2018. Uh, since 1969, surely if, if so many great, amazing things have happened in, in that first period of time, well, then surely the same thing must have been happening, if not more so. What a world we must be entering into. I can't wait. And you see rubbing yeah, his hands and together. And, and then he goes in and he sees... <laughs> Uh, boy, the buildings look just as crappy as they ever did, right? I mean, or worse, a, or, or worse, well, because gonna, they're getting they're, right. they're getting decrepit, right? And then, uh, yes, there's some you know improvements in medicine. Uh, there are improvements, you know, generally speaking here or there, but they're more fine tweaks than anything else. Like the cars of today, okay, they're basically running uh, upon the same concepts that they did before. You have more electronic doodads in the car. You have a slightly better efficiency of the burning of gas, absolutely, right? But as a practical matter, you know, it's basically the same vehicle. Yeah, cars and car. I was going to say. The refrigerator is the same yeah. thing. The oven's the same yeah. thing. Um, you know, uh, you know the, uh, with the exception of electronics, right, which has, uh, allowed, has been a free-for-all, which has been wonderful, which has uh, incredible changes in that from the from the uh, Apple computer to the iPhone to the internet uh, to the smart, you know, to the tablets and everything else. Of course, those, these are amazing, amazing things, Uber and, and so on. But that is just in the electronics field where there is no regulation, thank goodness. But everything else is regulated to the point where we're demonizing it, right? You, the, the, when you have an invention, an idea that, that might help out people, the first thing they think about is, how many lawsuits might this in, in, invoke? Who's it going to kill? Right. Are they going to sue me? I was going to say, though, I think uh, a tweak on your analogy, which is an interesting one to think of, is imagine if that Martian, in your example, landed at an airport, major airport, LAX or JFK in 1969, saw what they saw. Right. And then they landed at the same airport in 2018, specifically last week. 
<laughs> yes, yes, yes. 12 hours stuck on a plane on a tarmac for hundreds if not thousands of people. Yes, it's weather, but you mean in 50 years you didn't figure that one out? Right, exactly. Oh, that's amazing to me. <laughs> the you're the so right. lines? Where do these lines come from? Yeah. You can't screen people. You can't put them on a list. You can't profile to at least so ninety percent of the people who you know have no threat of terrorism at all. Can't just breeze through the airport. Well, the planes I mean, themselves. Seriously? The planes themselves are, are fascinating because you know, with the exception of the Concorde in the seventies, uh, which kind of came and went uh, as you know, the supersonic flight. The flight uh, times that the um, that the lengths of their flights from let's say Los Angeles to New York is the same. Uh, it's not faster. They they're not competing on the, on the speed with which you get from point A to point B, right? They, they compete on price a little bit. Uh, they compete. I don't know on on what else. I mean, uh, they they just a good attitude. I, that that's it. Yeah, but the comfort is worse. The food is worse. The service is worse. The attitude is worse. What the food? Lines yeah, are worse. exactly. Well, right. <laughs> and uh, and the speed I think is less because yeah. they save fuel now by flying the engines. Yeah, I guess so. Right? Well, yeah. So so everything is worse. And it's like, how after landing on the moon did you idiots figure out how to screw up one of the most um, modern technology-centered industries you had? Right, but let's, let's not get too far afield from it. The point is that we're destroying very important institutions. We're, we're, and we talked before about um, the, the, the male-female uh, institution that's being destroyed. We talked about the employer relationship and the notion of work is being destroyed itself. That's a value that's being destroyed. Justice itself is being destroyed. And of course, uh, our racial, um, the way we identify ourselves, that too is being destroyed. It, because, you know, every, every word is on the 11th level. Every time you meet uh, an African-American person, you have to be very cautious. I just said African-American. I could have said black. You know, well, uh, that, you know, that might mean, uh, are you saying that, you know, black is considered, uh, you know, dark and, and very, uh, maybe even evil. So uh, I don't like that. And then we have a discussion about that all day long. Yeah, no, I didn't mean that. When I said black, I meant it in the more colloquial sense. <laughs> I didn't mean it to be. Okay. So is being, saying African-American. Okay, great. Well, what do you mean? I, I'm not necessarily from Africa. Luke, don't go to the African-American side of the fort. <laughs> exactly right. What the hell? <clears throat> yeah, it's It's crazy. <laughs> It's crazy. So, you, so you, we're all dancing around each other all the, all the time. Every, so, you know, when, when you do meet somebody who's African-American, uh, whatever, in the, in the restroom or in a lobby or something like that, you talk about the most silly things like, oh, how about that weather today? And uh, how about the, the Lakers? And, you know, it, it's everything is you can't really talk about anything too serious because you're worried that he or she might just take it in such the wrong way. And then, of course, they're tripping you up now uh, with the transgender thing. So I just said he and she. You know, you, now you're supposed to say they whenever you're talking about anybody. Z, Zim, and Zay. Right. I remember my so exactly yes. right. Your training is, is, is complete, sir. <laughs> Your training is complete. <laughs> you have to say they. And it's really weird. so weird. I mean, a good friend of mine, I mentioned this before, uh, had uh, her son taking a driver's test. And um, she wrote uh, on Facebook posting, guess who passed his, uh, their driving test? D guess who passed their driving test? And I said, there? Was there more one, one of your sons, of which you have only one, <laughs> actually taking a test? You know, did you? And God forbid you call them a child. I mean, oh, it's, because it's, they use the they, T H E Y R E, with the apostrophe, not T H E. Right. 
E I R, the possessive. Yeah, it, it includes the, no, no, their T H E I R. You know, their driving test. So it's the possessive. But anyway, it's a derivative of the word they, right? right? So she was using the word they, like she's been told you must use the word they. The word his is is offensive somehow. So now we have to dance around that. Okay, so we're just everything is just falling apart. We can't have any meaningful discussion if we're constantly, you know, tripping ourselves about every word that we say, how it might be interpreted. Uh, you, you know, <clears throat> it might come to the point where people will say, listen, you have a low voice and that's very threatening to me, right? Because you and I have lower voices. You know, we, we could speak much more softly yes, like this. We like, like we can go Michael Jackson on, on everyone. Yes. And, uh, right? And, and have children sleep in our beds. Right, and so you know they they should they sh- we should kind of modify our voices in order to not uh, emphasize the distinction between male and female because you know that's there is no such distinction as you know, right? And then the fifty-seven genders that we have to now focus on, right? It's like oh, okay, we're and then every application we're applying to different schools now for, for middle school, and and some of them, not all of them, have a um, you know a different uh, drop-down menu where. You can. There's like five different things you can choose for your for your gender. It's crazy. I mean, including decline to state. But but one of them is I don't. I, not clear. You know that's that's like, okay. Still figuring it out. Okay. Well, they don't have that one. I fair enough. But why not? Right. <laughs> Male, female, still figuring it out. Uh, tra- transgender. Yeah, that, uh, n- that, not sure. Yeah. I don't know. And that's why the beauty of Trump's alleged statement yesterday is so wonderful yeah because it cuts through all the excrement in the excrement hole don't you wish just one of these stupid idiotic private school administrators who put this stuff together would say this is stupid we have boys we have girls if they don't if they don't if they can't figure out what you are then you don't belong in our school because you're dumb how about that (laughs) well that we are that we are living in this time where we are actually having this as a serious debate so throws me off, it so perplexes me. Uh, I never thought we'd get to this dumb a situation, this dumb a state of affairs, this quickly, right? I thought maybe a hundred years from now, it is slow burn, you know, like we wouldn't even realize, you know. And somebody would say back, you know, back in the year 2000, for example, I mean, there was a he and a she, do you know? And like, but it's so, it's so recently that we weren't having this ridiculous conversation, and now we are. It's because of the breakdown of distinctions. It's because of the godless nature of our culture is becoming more and more godless. And, and so this is why there are no, there's, everything is on the, 11th, on the 11th level. Everything. Because people need passion about something. And if they can't have passion in God, because there is no God according to them, uh, then, then they need to fight about something. They need to pursue something. Everything is so important, and you, you know, and they're looking for enemies all the time. They're looking for they're they're, they're looking for people who disagree with them. They can't wait to. They're chomping at the bit to correct you when you say the word straight or the phrase straight uh, straight man or gay person or whatever. Well, no, no, give no. Give it to me straight. Right. Or, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Know. I'm I'm gay today in a happy sort of way. Like they'll correct you, and you shouldn't say that anymore. Um, they're, they're, and and the, ironically, they are making the the very distinctions that they they that they decry that they seek to to blow up. So the distinction is that you don't agree with them. That's, a, but all this 
would, would not be happening. None of it would be happening, Ari, if we truly had a God-centered uh, culture, a God-centered civilization. Then we would be moving forward in the same way that we enjoyed between the years 1890 and 1970. That would be a great, great time. And we would be so far advanced from where we are. But we've been holding ourselves back. Why? Because we lost our sense of direction in a world without God. I'm Barack Lurie. Thanks for listening. We'll talk with you next week.